And we're here on the KM Podcast. Ken Brown from WGI Radio, Mike O'Hare, DetroitLions.com, as we talk Lions football. Hello, Mike O'Hare. Hello, Ken Brown. Are you going to be nice this week? Look, I told you, man, <laughs> from the beginning of the season, I tried to tell everybody, just, just sit back and enjoy this or sit back and watch it like a car crash because it's just going to be a bad year and we'll take the lumps and see how it develops. Last week, even me, Mr. Mild-mannered, non-tempered person got upset by some of the things that went on. And that was the Cleveland game, right? Because the games all run together. We haven't even talked about the Chicago game yet. So I'm going to be calm and cool. This is a rebuilding season. I understand. But just some things just cannot continue, Michael Here. Well, just one thing. Let's go, go back to what Sheila Fordham, the principal owner, said five, six, seven weeks ago, she had an interview with one of the beat writers uh, covering the team for the Detroit Free Press, I think it was. She came right out and said, this is a full-out full out rebuild. And it, everybody kind of called it a retooling, of a re-this, a re-that. No, it's a rebuild. And she, she said it. So I think they knew, they knew that internally right from the beginning. They knew what they had. And more importantly, they knew what they didn't have. And so... This is about another two-year project, I think. Yeah, but she gets but, no think, play. She gets no run. And she gets no kudos for that six or seven I'm weeks. Just telling, no, I'm just I know, telling you what, what it is. She should have said that in training camp. She should have said it when she hired Brad Holmes. Don't try to wait until the season's pretty gone off the rail or gone off the rail and then say, oh, yeah, this is a rebuild. No. You, uh, owner mis- rookie mistake. Next time, just come right out and tell your public, Exactly what you're doing when you're doing, even though you could see it was happening. Just admit it. Every everybody would have been fine with it. So that's a rookie mistake. Everybody would have been fine with it. Yeah, Are you kidding. After Stafford got like traded, who? everybody would have been fine if you would have said we're stepping back to rebuild. Everybody would have been fine with it, Mike, because they knew that team last year was maxed out, wasn't going anywhere. And even the second year, of Patricia, everybody knew that team wasn't going anywhere. At best, with Stafford winning four games out of a year. You weren't winning more than eight or nine games, and that's with Stafford being great for four of them and winning by himself. So everybody knew that team had a a, a shelf life. And if you would have said at that time, all right, we had 13 years with Stafford as, no, as the leader. We're stepping back. It's a rebuild. I don't know what next year is going to look like, but stick with us. If you said that in training camp, everybody would have been fine with it. Now it's well, they sprung it on you. Let, let's, let's move along, okay? Well, I'm just saying. You, it comes down that when it starts happening before your eyes, people like you and me and a few other people, most other people, when you gave a coach a six-year contract, that was telling in. So there were signs that you knew what was happening. But until you actually hear the words, there are some people that didn't believe it. Now you know what's going on. You accept the bad play and you accept the lack of talent. You accept what's going on for the future. You accept training younger players. And you accept it more, and I accept it. This team is what it is. It's the worst team in the league. I accept that. Well, I think you were a little slower to come around than I was because you kept saying you thought this team could win seven or eight games, and I said four or five, and four or five was a stretch. So regardless of all of that, what we said then, it's where we are now. Well, let me let, let me add counts. this caveat to what you're saying. Yeah. The worst – I looked on the – they had a – Statistic up yesterday, all the play, people on the bubble for playoffs, playoffs, and whatever. In, somebody who has four wins like now, like Seattle, is on the bubble of getting in the playoffs still. All right? They're still in the, in the hunt. Okay? Right? 
Well, yeah, fifteen of the sixteen teams in the right. NFC are still have still have some hope, however faint, of making the right. playoffs. So you got four. The Detroit wins. Lions are the Detroit. No, they've got three. The Detroit Lions are the only team in the NFC that have been eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, officially eliminated right. with six games to go. Okay, yeah. but this is my point. Say four wins is the bar to be still in contention. The two games where you lost on the kick at the end, that could be two wins. This Chicago game well, could have been three. I'm just saying, this Chicago game could have been three. The Pittsburgh game could have been four. You, I, When I said at the beginning of the season they could win f- six six games or whatever they could have, they could be four wins right now with six to go. So I'm not saying it's totally what happened, you know, totally out of the realm where they were, but this team was never going to be good. But even then, with the bad luck and the things that have happened to them, they could have been a four-win team right now. Nothing else changes but the end of the games. Nothing else but two kicks. The the third kick was the Pittsburgh kick that the guy missed. And the, uh, last week, if you if he had missed that kick, you win the game. So as bad as an 0-10-1 team is, they are four plays from being four and whatever. The only one of those games that, uh, to me, that, 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 that I would say is, is re- relevant is the 66-yard field goal because it's, it would never been done before in the history of pro football, a 66-yard field goal. And it hit the crossbar, bounced in the air, and plopped over. To me, that's the only argument that's relative. The rest of them. What about the Pittsburgh game? A thirty-eight, a forty-eight yarder from the thirty-yard line is not you. The kids in high school that make that kick, Kenny. But that was not a last play kick. It would have been the last play, Michael. It was in overtime. It would have been the last play. But it wasn't. Okay, look, I'm not even arguing. It wasn't. All I'm saying is. They as bad as this team is at old ten and one, they're four plays from being four and whatever. That's all I'm saying, and we can move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, any thoughts? I don't even want to get into games with Chicago. Any, any thoughts of the game? Dan Campbell's double timeout calling. Dan Campbell's pathetic play calling. Dan Campbell's uh, just to me doing too much. Where he should sit back a little bit and let the assistants that he paid and hired do their jobs. A.K.A. our offensive coordinator, let him do his job for the rest of the year. Well, I think I think Campbell's going to continue to call plays the rest of the game, the rest of the season. There's six games left. I don't think he's going to turn back now. And I think well, he said it today. Up, he said it today. He's calling plays. He's not giving it up. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I never thought he would. I never thought he'd go back on it. Once he made a decision to go in another direction, you can't. You know, he, did, he didn't say, we're going to see how this goes. He said he was going to do it. So, okay, what's he going to do? Every two weeks change his mind? He can't do that. Well, he did say. I mean, you can. You, in, in, you fairness, can do any, no. in fairness, he you did say he would take a look at it later. He didn't say, he didn't commit when he first did it that he would do it the whole season. He said, we're going to see how this works after he came back from the bye. He, did, he, he said, because they asked him, is this permanent? He said, well, we'll see. So he did leave it open and not do it the rest of the year after he had a few games with it. But I don't know what's with, what he, what's in his mind to think that he's some hell of a great play caller and, and he should take over the rest of the year. The offense, to me, is just as bad as it was beforehand. Well, it was never good. And, and the one thing they have now that I don't think they had before is at least they have an identity of what they want to do, and that's run the ball. Now, with, it, with, uh, with DeAndre Swift injured in the last game there, he went out early, early on Thanksgiving Day with a shoulder injury. Now, he might be back in another week, but I certainly I, – let's put it this way. Based on what uh, Campbell said on uh, on Monday in his first presser after that, after Thanksgiving, didn't sound hopeful that that, uh, that he'll be back 
for Sunday's game against the Minnesota Vikings. But I think they have you know, they have committed more to the more to the running game than they had in the first ten or nine or whatever weeks it was that Anthony Lynn was uh, was was calling plays. Now, is, are they better overall? I mean, sort of in some ways, but but not not appreciably except in the ability to run the game, run the ball. I think they've been better at that. Yeah, they've been better doing third and 32 runs. You're right. I, I agree no, with that. Eh, no, no, no. no not, Mike, you can't excuse this this play calling. I know I'm talking about, I'm talking about running the ball. But, Mike, don't he, they're, not, they're not better at running the ball. They're just running more. They're not better. The one the couple yes, of no the, the one time they put the three tackle the three tackles in and they had a, a real good running game, that two hundred yard running game. But besides that, it's been pretty much the same. They just run it more now. They just decide that we won't even try to compete to get back in the game by passing. We're just gonna run it because our passing is so bad. They're not doing well, any, they're not doing a any great thing any better than run. They're doing the same can, stuff they were doing when AC was calling. Can at least be factual, okay? When you say that back in the game, they've lost they've, they've played two get three games one is a tie, one is a two-point loss, one is a three-point loss. What have they been out of the game? Mike, I'm just saying that's the defense. That's the defense that's played better, though. They're scoring 13 points, 16 points. They're not scoring. But you're saying out of the game. They, they haven't been out of the game. What are you talking about? What do you mean I said out of the game? That's what you say when they've been out of the game. That's not true. They've been in the game. They've been in the no, last I didn't say they were out of the game. game. I didn't say they were out of the game. Play it back. I'm going to play, play it back. back. Well, if I said it, I didn't mean out of the game. I just meant they're not competitive on offense. Then the offense is the same. It's just, just running more. They don't even try to pass it anymore. At least they tried a little bit in the Chicago game. They don't even try to pass anymore. They're just going to run it 30, 32, 12, 15. Penalty. They don't care. That's like, you know, uh, run, run, punt. Okay. You're keeping the game close because the defense is, is playing it closer. But then when the defense needed to play, they give up a seven, eight-minute drive. So I'm not even look, giving I'm, them listen, the kudos. Listen, look, I'm not saying that there's any, any great great offensive powerhouse here, any great great team up and down the, up and down the, the, uh, the field. Absolutely not. But the idea that, they're, like you said, that they're not in the game, yeah, they're, they're finding a way to They find a way to stay in the game. Finding a way to stay in the game, unfortunately, and I don't say unfortunately because it's not bad luck; it's just it's bad performance. When they get to the when they get to to, to the clutch time, winning time, they can't get off the field defensively. Right, because that's when talent the, the rules out. No matter how much coaching and how much other stuff you do, when it's winning time in games, that's when talent shows out, and they have a lack of talent. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. They the two areas where they are. are Completely lacking, well, completely, but severely lacking. Number one, a pass rusher ain't got it. I thought they might get something out of, out of, out of you know, with, with out of defensively. I thought they might get, you know, some uh, pressure on the quarterback. Hasn't happened. They've got two sacks in the last five games. You can't win with that. And then wide receiver position. It's just you, you could you could bring in four new ones next year, four new wide receivers, and I wouldn't I wouldn't bat an eye. I wouldn't say, oh my God, what are you doing? I wouldn't question that one iota. I think they've got some talent defensively, but they don't have the big banger up there to uh, to, to threaten the quarterback play after play. They don't have a guy you have to account for. To me, they that got changes, about that changes things. Nothing changes an awful lot of things when you have a premier or even just a good pass rusher. Yeah, to me, they got about ten players that I will bring back next year for sure. After that, everybody else is either free or whatever. I, it's about a core group now, ten players that I think I. You got to have back next year. That's it. 
out of your whole 53-man roster. Ten, ten players, I say, definitely should be back. After that, the rest of them can come and go. I could care less. Well, it's it's not the way you build a team. I know, but I'm just saying, though, you got a core right now, 10 players, a core that you want to start that's going to be your main core going forward, and then you want to add to it. After that, they're just guys, just guys. So I'm not going to say the 10 because then if I leave one out, somebody will be upset. But you can figure it out yourself. You can can figure it out yourself who the 10 are. Hold it's on not a that second. Hard. Ken, Ken Brown doesn't want anybody upset. Hold on. I don't care. Is, I'm saying I don't want to. I don't want the fans upset. We have an historic. We have an historic. Pick moment. your team out. Anyway, let's move on. The the, the, the team is 0-10 and one. The last thing yeah, about this. What it is. The last yeah, thing about before we move on. And I was there the year Marty Morning. We you were there too when Marty Morning Wig won the two games at the end of the year, and he was on the right. Owen team, and they brought him back. And I remember that that summer or that winter, excuse me, right before Christmas or it was New Year's Day, they had the press conference and they said they were going to – no, that was the next year. But they, they were going to bring them back and then they didn't. I mean, no, that was after like, two that years. That was after two years, right. So I'll I take right. that back. But I remember they brought him back even though he won two games and it just didn't feel right going into the next year. If this guy does not win a game, I know he's got six years left, and I know you're gonna bring him back. I know he's not in danger. But how do you how do how can you justify not even looking to see if you can get anything better? Well, first of all, you don't know what's you don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You really you really don't. Now, having said that, I don't think I don't think they'd be looking to replace him. Uh, I, I'm absolutely certain there'll be a couple of you know some changes on his staff, especially offensively. I would think. I mean, once you once you you know, go this course of replacing your offensive coordinator. Man. I mean, other other things follow. His bag you know, is packed. Just the way it is. is packed right now. And I really, you should. You're doing. You're not doing him a service by keeping him on just to lay there. I think they should just. If you're not going to give him the play calling back and you cut his legs off, just let him go now. What are you? What are you holding on to him for? Well, because you're paying him, he's got a job to do. I he's still got, that. He's still got things to do. But you, he, okay, true enough that. But it's not, he, Mike, you basically he, fired him. You basically fired him. You've basically fired him. Just do it. You know, why don't you try to see if Deuce Staley can be an offensive coordinator to call the plays for the rest of the year. Why don't you try? This is your learning experience time right now. If you're not cool with Anthony Lynn, let Deuce Staley call the rest of the year. See what he's got. Well, I think that she's the assistant head coach. I think you brought him, you brought Deuce Staley in there with that title and to be involved and the entire team. That's what they brought him in for. So why change his role now because you fired somebody else? Why why that's that's what Deuce was brought here for, to groom him as a as a as a future head coach. All of a sudden you bury him as the offensive coordinator Burying him? Burying him? That's that's Maybe. the job that's the but it's the posi- change, change, no 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 it's changing his role the right. he was brought here. But for. that's the position you want if you want to be a head coach. You want to be offensive coordinator. You want to have that responsibility. Matter of fact, I think that's a quicker way to a head coach than being assistant head coach is being offensive coordinator. L. I. Kellen Moore. You want to, that's the position on, you on want. I know you yeah. look. I'm here to tell the truth. Everybody else want to play and put the blindfold on. That's on them. I'm just speaking the truth. Ken Brown speaks the truth. That's what we do. So yeah, we'll move it forward since we, the silence treatment has occurred. Uh, let's talk about. The upcoming game. Which game left is a winnable game? Now, which when do you think they will win a game? 
Well, to me, a winnable game would be the Falcons. Winnable. I mean, they are what they always are, what they are. But I think they're what are they are now? Five and six. They're one of those teams that that has a, you know a chance to make the playoffs as a wild card in the NFC. Uh, winnable. I, I think it's I think it's a winnable game, but there's certainly no game in there that I would bet money on now. The Vikings, probably one of the most perplexing teams in, in the NFC. Good one week, bad the next. I mean, they go to they they beat the Packers, come back the next week and lose. It's just it's amazing to me that with that talent they have on offense and really really good players defensively, that they're five and six. But I can't by any means say yeah, I think they're going to beat the, they're going to beat the Vikings on Sunday, even though. You know, they lost to him on a 54-yard last play field goal five weeks ago, six weeks ago, something like that. But clearly, clearly the better roster, good coach and, and, and good, good good head coach there in Mike Zimmer. But they just haven't been able to haven't been able to put it together for a period of time. I will tell you, Dan Campbell's next win will be it will be the Senior Bowl, January whatever of this next year. That mm-hmm. will be the next time he wins a game. And I wonder if he's gonna call plays for the Senior Bowl. Because there ain't nothing left on this schedule for him to win. I, I can't see one. Well, so we're just going to let that one go. Well, I think they'd like to win a game. I'd be like, gosh, why, why would they? Oh, they'd like to, would, but I'm just saying what, what realistically is going to happen. I don't, think they got, I don't think it's a win left on that schedule now. No, I don't, I don't think there's an absolute winnable game. I think, the, I think the Falcons are winnable, but the game's in Atlanta, and I don't, I don't certainly are not going to be favored to beat the Falcons. No. You know, I thought Denver, you know, Going into the bye week, when I did, a, you know, the last nine games, I thought Denver was winnable. They're six and five, or six and five, or six and four, whatever it is now. We're playing pretty good ball. They really are. So Denver winnable, not anymore. Nope, 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 nope. I thought Chicago was winnable on Thanksgiving Day. But, you know, last play of the game. And it was. Bingo. And it, and it was. was winnable. And it was. And you know what? And it was losable too. Yes, it was. Um, let's move on because I, like I said, I this, as um. Our friend Jim Colby says, I don't want to be in the Dungeon of Doom. I just want to move on because it is what it is. Um, I did see good football this last weekend, Michigan and Michigan State play. I saw two teams, one of them, uh, Michigan State, that won 10 games. Uh, Michigan, who won 11 games. Mel Tucker was named Big Ten Coach of the Year. Um, I think Harbaugh should have been Big Ten Coach of the Year because, to me, he had the most pressure. His team was bad last year. And for them to get to the Big Ten Championship game, I just thought he had a masterful coaching job this year. And I know this is pro football we're talking about, but it's going to all intertwine in a minute. But just on those two games and those two teams, what do you think? Well, I think uh, I, I, I agree with Tucker as Big Ten coach. Of, of, he, was, he, looked, he had further to come from where he started as head coach last year. I think what you're looking at is a, is a guy who turned a franchise around that had been on a five-year downer with, with Harbaugh, the five season, whatever, for five or four or six, whatever it was. With Jim Harbaugh, it's not like they were a you know three and four win team you know over a period of time. They just didn't meet, uh, they just didn't meet expectations, and expectations are you know to win big games and beat Ohio State. But that uh, they absolutely dominated, in my opinion, uh, dominated Ohio State, and and I, I thought they'd win going in. I really did. I just thought they were you know real wrapped a little tighter in all in all categories than the uh, than the than, than the than Ohio State was. I wasn't surprised at all that they won decisively. Well, and you know, give him credit; it's a good coaching job. He had his, 
know, you know, all it boils down to how you play on the day you play. And on that day, they were by far the better team. Well, they've been on the better team 12 weeks. Even though they lost Michigan State, they were the better team that day. So I'm just going to lead this like this. That game showed us something. This is where the transition comes into pro football. That yeah. game showed you one thing and should show everybody. Ohio State had the number one offense in the country. I mean, they had three receivers that would probably be first-round picks. They had everything going, a young quarterback that really could play. Pro football period is one on the line of scrimmage. All right? If you don't control that line of scrimmage, you can have everything else going. Quarterbacks and the line of scrimmage is where you win football. And I'm telling you right now, if the Lions are building this team the way they say they're building it and they started with Penny Sewell, take that formula. And this comes to the drafting and your free agency and whatever. Take care of the defensive line. The offensive line is pretty well taken care of. You got a pretty strong offensive line. And get a quarterback and move from there. I don't want to see these wide receivers and all this other stuff. Take care of these lines. And this goes to looks like they had a number one pick there. A couple of pass rushers available, Hutchinson and Thibodeau from Oregon. I do you agree with that assessment on how you build these teams now and how they should build these teams? Yeah, I don't think they need to. I don't think they need to make it a a, a, a primary uh, responsibility to, to add to the offensive line. I think it's good, especially if you get. Uh, and I shouldn't say if you get, but when you get Frank Ragnow back at center, I mean he's he's the best player on the team, uh, best player on the offensive line, probably the best player on the team. So I think I think they're they're set barring injury on the offensive line. I really do, but defensively, like I said, we started this out. You got to threaten the quarterback. You got to you got to be able to get to the quarterback and make him, you know, pump the ball, bring his bring you know, bring the ball down, make him get rid of it before he wants to, make him uncomfortable in the pocket. And they don't do that. Now they've had a couple of games where they've been okay, but okay doesn't win in a national football league unless you're so good on offense and so good that you can just threaten every single possession to score. Here's a statistic. Okay, it just goes to show you in the last two games. They ran 45 offensive plays in one game and 46 in the other. Now, the average is around 66, 65, something like that. And that possesses the ball. How are you going to score if you don't have the ball? No, that's true. That's true. That is true. That's just, that's, just, that's just pure football and mathematics. And football and mathematics equal you have the ball, you have a chance to win. If you don't, then you're going to have to rely on turnovers and fumbles and interception returns and stuff like that, plays like that. And they don't have that. They don't have that. They don't have that capability right now. And look, I think Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, has got every drop out of that defensive roster that you can get. The way it's the way it's what was handed to him. And you know, I I don't think there are any questions really about what he's done. Some would like to see him blitz more once in a while. Of course they would. Well, obviously, let Campbell take over the play calling on that ball too. Then. No, I'm not asking him to take over the play call. I'm just saying. Since he wants got, to do got, everything, let him take that over. Because Anthony, Anthony AG has gotten every drop out of that out of that roster that you can I agree. Get. That's no, we're not talking about the coach. The coach is no problem, not the problem. But as we go forward into the draft season, it's going to come down. If there's no quarterback at the top of the draft, it's going to have to be a pass rusher. Like you said, somebody get the heat on. And Thibodeau from Oregon. And Hutchinson from Michigan, those are the two guys everybody's going to be debating. I'm not going to get into a debate today. And everybody's the creature of the moment, so everybody's a Hutchinson today because they hadn't seen Thibodeau play, you know, last Saturday and dominate. Just let it play out. It'll go through the combine season. And to me, you can't go wrong with either one of these guys if there's no quarterback there. But I wouldn't have a problem adding either one of those guys to the team. But I still say quarterback is the number one issue on this team. Yeah, 
Well, it's a big, it's a big issue, and it's and if you don't have one on any team, it makes makes life makes life difficult. But look, I was on somebody's show the other day, and he asked me, "Would will will Hutchinson be in in the discussion?" Let me just give the same answer there. I'm going to give you right now. Will he be in the discussion for, to be the Lions pick at, at number one? Yes, he will. So will six or seven other people, and so will six or seven other options. Okay, something like that. Exactly. And that in, that includes trades and trade moving off exactly. and moving back and, exactly. and all of that. So yeah, you know, is he in the discussion? Of course he is. And so are you know Thibodeau and three guys we've never heard of. And so are you know all these options of trading up and trading back, and, and then, all that will play itself out as you go. Yeah, forward. all that will play itself It'll out. Play you know what? That, that's what that's what makes, especially when you have a high pick. That's what makes the draft so much fun. It really is. I well, like it. I always have. It's just fun, especially this year because you're going to have three of the top thirty-two picks. You're going to have three of the well, top thirty-three, might, and you know what, Kenny? And you might have more thirty-three than that. picks. Well, I'm if, saying if at you least you're going in with three pick. of the top thirty-three picks. So you're yeah. going to add three players at least. Like you said, you could trade back and get more, but at least you're going to add three players and you hit on – And but you got to hit on them. You can't have any uh, – what was the Scott from uh, from Baylor when Stafford was going that went number two. You can't have any of those or that tackle that uh, the Rams took, the other tackle, Greg Robinson's or whatever. You can't have that. can't have any misses when you're drafting that high. Can't, you cannot miss. So that's Brad Holmes' pressure. Whoever you take has to make it. And I'm not talking about just be an NFL player. They have to be a difference maker. No, I'd agree with that, of course, yeah. All Especially right. with the first one. When you get to the 32nd and 33rd picks and all of that, a little different. Really, yeah, it's, but, it's, yeah. it's quite a bit different. But I'm talking about the number one pick. You, you cannot miss. Teams that miss on that number one pick. Look, what, at, look at Mayfield now. If, if Mayfield becomes a miss for Cleveland, then that sets them back years. So that's why I hope I, I I want him to succeed because they put all their marbles on that number one pick. So I hope he succeeds. But you miss on a pick like you, you that. You hope Baker. You hope Baker. Baker Mayfield succeeds. Yes, I'm not a I'm not why? anti Baker. I'm not anti Baker. Well, I'm not Mayfield. either. But so let him. He'll take care of his own. I know, but I'm saying what I want. One way or the other. I'm saying what I want. I want guys <laughs> that are drafted high to succeed. I don't want to see anybody fail. I, I like to see guys that are drafted. I don't like. Like the whole years with Stafford, I wasn't a Stafford hater and, oh, I hope he fails or whatever, you picked the wrong. No, I want to see the guys pick high succeed. I don't want to see any failure because I know the pressure on them and I know what they, the expectations were for them and I want to see them live up to them. I'm, as for any any team, anybody, I don't have a problem with that, except for Aaron Rodgers. I don't like him. You know that. That's the only player <laughs> that I will tell you right now, I hope he never succeeds again. And Aaron see, Rodgers? I don't like him. I don't like him. I never liked him. And I don't like Green Bay, so you know how that works. So anything with them, take out what I say. Even so, Rashawn Gary, who I liked in Michigan, I hope he fails at, Mich- at Green Bay because I don't like Green Bay. So let me see if I've got this right. You don't like to see anybody fail except for the people you don't want to succeed. Except for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> That's my addendum. Except for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. All right. You know, I'm upstairs in, in, in my little office here, and I'm pacing back and forth because <laughs> I just have to blow off energy some way without yelling into the microphone when you say something like that. Well, that's just the way it is. Hey, my quarterbacks to look out for coming up, Pickett from um, Pittsburgh, Willis from Liberty, Corral from Ole Miss, and Sam Howell. Those are the four guys you want to look at if you're talking about the drafted quarterbacks. And I'm sure there will be others that developed over time, but those are four – 
for bowl season and other things. If you guys are out there looking for who might possibly be a draft pick of the Lions sometime in that draft, look at those four guys and see what you think of them. I think a quarterback in 2022 is going to be Jared Goff. Oh, he'll, be, he'll start the season as quarterback. I agree with that. I agree with that. You do? Yeah, because he look. He's well, what's a, wrong with me? I agree with that. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Hold on. Ask me, do I like it? You know what, Kenny? I like it or not like it when I see how it works, okay? Well, I've seen enough of him. I've seen enough. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. No, I've, you haven't. I've seen, no, you haven't. I've seen years with the Rams of him, and I've seen him up close now, and my opinion has not changed. I think this, when he was 12 out of 13 or 13 out of 14, and they ran, and they ran that – and ran that uh, that draw play on third and thirty-two. <laughs> that's that's without without any hesitation at all. I thought that was absolutely the wrong thing to do. They, like they said, there's no there is no play for third and thirty-two. There doesn't have to be. How about a play on third and thirty-two to get half of it and kick a field goal? Yeah, but Mike, you keep, you bring this up all the time. He was twelve or thirteen when they did the play. What was the score of the game? I mean, I don't, it was it was a close they game. Yeah, seven points after he was twelve okay. and thirteen. He still didn't get any points. So he, I don't care about that twelve and thirteen. He wasn't doing anything. I I'm can throw, I can throw twelve passes behind the line of scrimmage. Now, see, you done got me all upset again. I said I wasn't going to do it today. It, well, those well, were we, twelve well, of the of the weakest passes besides the touchdown and the one to the new guy Reynolds that I've ever seen. Here, here, Kenny, here you go again. Those were the weakest passes except for the ones that were. Except for the one. No, the one. Mr. Okay. Inconsistency. But, but you, you, you talking like, oh, he was 12 or 13, he was dealing and he was rolling. No, he wasn't. He was throwing passes behind the line of scrimmage. He wasn't doing nothing. He was just out there. So they just what they did was they moved the, they moved the uh, on a 39-yard touchdown pass to, to Josh Reynolds they moved the they moved the goal line up thirty. That yards was a, him, like okay? I said. That's the only pass that even had any decency of a throw. Mike, let me ask you a question. Campbell is not a dummy, Dan Campbell. If he ain't throwing on third and thirty-two with a quarterback that was twelve or thirteen, don't you think there's a reason for it? Yes, but I think I thought that that was to me that was that was too cautious. I agree, but I'm I'm, just saying, I agree with that. But I'm, I'm saying, talking about that. It's, it's not what I would have done. I know, I know but you saying you saying it like he was listen. dealing. He was not dealing. I, I didn't say he was leading them to the promised land or anything like that. But at that point, they were they were completing passes, and and with 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 them playing that deep shell and all that coverage, he could have gotten the ball up to maybe the thirty six or the thirty. Two or whatever, and they had a shot at a field goal, and you know what? Three points would have been at the end; would have changed everything. In theory, points are, points are variable. In theory, you are correct, but if you're throwing passes to the line of scrimmage and behind it, and two yards in front of it, he wasn't going to get the 15 yards to get a field goal. He, the the, the offense is not designed to do that. They not okay. Look, I, I, every time I say I'm not getting involved with this, you, I'm like Al Pacino. You drag me back in. You drag me back I'd like to, I'd like to drag you out. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it alone. I, I'm done. Good. I wanted to say one last thing before we get out of here today. Matt Stafford um, is having, he's, he's having problems again. It's not all his fault because the Rams team is really soft. bad defensively and they're soft, soft. on offense. But soft. as I said why years ago when they should have – oh, and I'm going to give – next week we're going to talk about that Tua pick I wanted all the time that – for a while, didn't look good. Look at him now. Look at look at the way uh, two was playing now, and look at Jeff Okuda watching Kenny, on the sideline. Just remember will you that. Interu- will you stop interrupting yourself and make a point? I wanted please. to, but anyway, my Thank point you. with Stafford is: 
when he had that back injury, and like I said, yep. he was going to be hurt a lot in these next years because when you're getting older, he had that back injury. Everybody knew that. I hope he's well enough to play. But I just feel from this point on in his career, it's going to be times where he's going to look like he is because he just took, he just took a lot over those 13 years with the Lions because he, a, a, he played tough. He plays tough. So you have to accept that. I'm not one of these Rob Parker guys who already putting out the, the, the tweets on him and how I was right about him, whatever. But there's going to be periods in time over the years with him from now on because he just used his body up in Detroit. And I'm, when you made the trade, it was the right time to do it. The Rams needed to win instantly. <clears throat> Excuse me. You needed to move on. But don't, don't uh, come down on Stafford because he's going to be hurt from time to time because he, gave, he put it out there when he was here. Well, yeah, the story out is that he's having back issues. And, I look, I don't know one way or the other, but just watching when you see a guy throw the ball high, repeatedly throw it high, that means he's not bringing it through and he's not ripping the ball. Like like when Stafford does, that ball smokes. Yeah. Okay. Even the you touchdown. Yes. Did you see the touchdown he threw to OBJ? He was, yeah, I saw it. Years ago, he would have smoked that. You know, he like he threw it up. You know, he's got the arm strength. He threw it up, but that ain't a Matt Stafford 70 or 50, 60 yarder. You know, when he's on his game, he puts that ball there in a hurry. And I could tell then, I said, okay, he's throwing a little differently because he's hurt. And maybe giving, uh, maybe giving OBJ a chance to wander underneath the ball and find out where it comes down yeah, exactly. and extend his arms and say, well, I think I'll go for this exactly. one. Exactly. But also give yeah. him a running game. It must be something with him. He must get to a team and they just decide we don't need running anymore because he got out of Detroit where they didn't have a running game for him a lot of the years. The Rams, right. I know they lost their best back, but they didn't get him anything to run with this year to take a little heat off of him, man. To me, the issue with, that, with the Rams right now is that they're soft. Including, I am, you know, Aaron Donald, great, great player, Hall of Famer. Not now. Not the same. Not now the same. he is not the same. Not the player. same. Not the same. But not everybody the same knew that player. when they drafted him because he was small, and over the years, it was gonna, it was gonna take his toll because you just can't keep going to that wall when you're six feet two eighty seven. That's that's a lot. Look, he's still a great player. Don't get me wrong. I take him in a second, but he's not what he was. Two years. No, ago. I don't think he's a great player now. I think he has great moments, but he's not a great right. player. Not down for so, down. Anyway, okay. All right, so we're done with the rounds. But let's lay off Stafford. Hey, look, the guy's a warrior, and he'll fight through this. But robbing him, y'all, a little too premature with the with the ready to bury him. Look, like look, Rod Parker. He was a friend of mine when he was here in Detroit. As well. Who cares what he says? Ah, no, he's a friend of mine. He's a friend of mine. I'm just saying. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm just giving an example because that's what I've been reading the last two days. So. And he's my boy. And yeah, I, I sent him a text and told him. I said, man, come on, Rob. So we'll let that roll. All right, Mike. I said I was coming on here to be peaceful, yet you dragged this out of me. Next week, I promise. <laughs> I promise next week that I will be more civil. I dragged civil. it out of you? You dragged it out of me. You said the wrong words. I promise to be more civil next week to our listening audience. You can't be civil. I will you be can't. more civil. I will not let Michael Hare drag me down to the depths of arguing that I have come to the last couple of weeks. It's just the frustration of the season. I'm sorry to all our listeners of this podcast, but I shall return to be the magnanimous man that I have always been. So we're going to go back to those old days of, of Richard Nixon's vice president. <laughs> right. We call them nattering nabobs of negativism. Exactly right. <laughs> hey, you know what? And it's a role I enjoy. Yeah, exactly. All right, Michael here at DetroitLast.com. Check him out on there. Uh, Kim Brown, WGR 760 Mitch Album Show. See ya.